everyone, and welcome back to the Travel and Tourism Podcast, my first season. My guest today's first season was in Club Med Paradise Island in 1990 as part of Arizona State University's internship program, where he graduated from with a degree in international tourism and resort management. With a degree like that, I think he was bound for Club Med. He went as a DJ his first season, but wound up on the sailing team after, and he didn't have much experience in sailing, but we're going to get into that and more. He learned to speak French in high school and university, and he is from Boise, Idaho, and I do believe he is the first Idahoan on the program. Altogether, he worked for Club Med from 1990 to 1993 in villages such as Eleuthera, Copper Mountain, Cancun, and Punta Cana. Please help me welcome the one and only Chris Robinson. Hey, Chris, how are you, sir? Hey, Greg, good afternoon. How are you? Good, good. Thank you so much for, for being here. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. I've listened to your podcast before, and I was like, man, how do I get on this thing? And you just called me out of the blue and asked me to do it, and I think it's fantastic. Thank you. Yeah, it would have helped me if you reached out to me, Chris, because I get rejected a lot. It's just like I'm back <laughs> at Club Med, okay? Uh, yeah, guys, anyone listening, just reach out to me, okay? <laughs> for every Chris that says yes, there's about nine of you that say no thank you or or don't reply at all. So just if you want to be a guest, just I'm always on Facebook. I'm very easy to reach. So, <laughs> so please reach out to me, please. I can only handle so much rejection, people. <laughs> Your inbox is going to get flooded now, Greg. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> all right, so you... Graduated from Arizona State University alongside notable alumni Jimmy Kimmel, Phil Mickelson, Pat Tillman, Barry Bonds, Chris Robinson. Were any of these guys there when you were there as far as as far as you know? Yeah, actually, Phil Mickelson was there. He was on the team, and that's the year that he won the amateur. Oh, and are you serious? Yeah, yeah. I used to see him out on the golf course all the time. There was um, a Karsten Ping course that they built on the ASU campus, and it was great. If you had your student ID, you could play for seven $7. And uh, we always saw Phil out there right after he won the uh, the collegiate. I think it was the, he won first place of collegiate, then he won the amateur. He was out on the course that next week and we saw him out there. And yeah, interesting. It's pretty crazy for me, a Canadian, to think that like, and I'm sure Phil Mickelson was probably like scouted and offered a, like there's, there's golf scholarships, right? Am I correct? Yes, there is. Just like so all, he, all the sports. Yep. Yeah. So he was, so in, in Arizona, you know, is you know, very nice golf courses, wouldn't you say? Uh, you know, the tough thing about going to school at Arizona State, you either, you never went to class. You either were on the beach volleyball court or you were playing golf or just waking up from a hangover, being out at the discos all night. Okay. Okay. Which brings me to my next question. Which one of you guys, now I know there's two major universities, uh, there's one in Phoenix, right? So which which one was was always named the top party school in the U.S.? Which Which one in Arizona? Was that yours? Well, you know, I went to, so ASU's in Tempe, which is a suburb of Phoenix, and it was always in rated in Sports Illustrated and Playboy magazine as the top party school in the United States. And it was fun because it was, I was a DJ uh, at a few nightclubs in Tempe. And when everybody left ASU on spring break to go to Mazatlan or Cabo or San Felipe, Rocky Point, those type of places, everybody, and all the other schools like Chicago area schools in New York and everywhere else in Michigan, they'd all come to ASU and party. And it was fun. I always stayed back for spring break because it was even more fun during the, the normal school season. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. 
like I said, my first season in 94, I met a few students who were from Arizona State and they were part of this internship program. And they were there at Turks and Caicos getting credit for working there. And uh, I was extremely jealous. Okay. Now I like the fact that in, in your degree, you were actually in international tourism and resort management, correct? I, I was. And I was um, at the time when I went to the first meeting with the Club Med, uh, I was the president of the International Tourism Student Association. And I got kind of coerced in going to this Club Med meeting because I didn't, I didn't want to go. And uh, as you know, back then, the Club Med headquarters for reservations was in Scottsdale, Arizona, which was just right up the, right up the street. And uh, they had this internship program with only ASU University, Arizona Ex- State University. Excuse me, Chris, sorry, sorry to cut you off, but I'm just curious, why, why did you not want to go to the Club Med meeting? Oh, you know, I always, I, I never knew anything about Club Med, except you'd see the wild back in the 70s and 80s, you'd see this hedonism type of thing. It's like, I didn't really want to go. My professor, he was my favorite professor and he was from Ghana, Africa. And he's like, he, in his accent, Chris, you need to go to here and you can educate everybody else in the, the club and stuff. And I said, okay, Victor, I'll go. I, I'll go. And it was so funny. I went in there and to an, and I didn't know what to expect. And I think it I think it was Greg Schneider that was given this the speech or the the powwow that day. He happened to be in Scottsdale and he came and did this whole rah-rah speech. And if it wasn't Greg, whoever it was, as we know, Greg Schneider is very charismatic and and played the crowd and everybody. I left there like there was nothing else in life I wanted to do but get this job. I mean, it was like it was like being a camp counselor for adults. And I was I could not believe it. It was like my mind was blown away. Now there was 450 students that applied for it this that summer, and they were only going to take 26 and and make them GOs, au pairs. And I was like, I, I there's nothing else I want. I want to be a GO. I want I want this job. I want to go off for the next three and a half months, earn nine credits, and experience this whole thing. It came down to I I got one of the 26 positions, and I was. I was flabbergasted. It was amazing. So here's a, here's a guy from Idaho that, that's traveled very little except to maybe Mexico and other places in the United States. And all of a sudden I was going to the Bahamas and I was just out of my mind. I was excited. It was great. I was lucky. You know the feeling. You feel like, wow, I got this job. It's going to be incredible. I'm going to be a camp counselor in the Bahamas. Now, because you know part of your degree was in re- resort management, did you think you were going to be the chief of village that summer? I didn't even know what a chief of village were. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm telling okay. you, I had no idea. I didn't know the 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 speak, the acronyms, the the slang, any of this stuff. So when we landed in um Paradise Island, uh back then it was the Merv Griffin Casino and Merv Griffin Airport. Uh it was it was small. Paradise Island was very small. We didn't know anything. I went with three other people and my the other person it's it's kind of a funny story because there's this one there's this guy at school that was in a different fraternity and we all had we had mutual friends and everybody's like you got to meet this guy Sean he, he you guys are so much alike and you you need to meet each other uh, and I'm like okay and we never did you know how school is you just hang in different circles and then some friends said hey you know Sean got this internship too maybe you guys are gonna go to the same place and I'm like oh, maybe I don't know there's 25 other students. I don't know where anybody's going, except I'm going to Paradise Island. And I get to the airport and shocked to here's here's this guy, Sean Daniels, that everybody's been talking about. And he goes, you're Chris Robinson? And I said, yes. And he goes, oh my God, I'm Sean Daniels. Everybody talks that we need to get together. And he goes, we're going to Paradise Island together. Make a long story short, 
we wound up being roommates and that was the start of a lifelong friendship. And uh, it was, it was awesome. <laughs> it was great. So. What do you, what do you remember about that first week, your first day arriving? Is it hazy or do you have a vivid memory uh, of it? Yeah. I, I remember the first night, you know, my, every season, as you know, is different. So this first season that I went to, we landed and we go to the, we go to the village. There's a car to pick us up at the Merv Griffin airport, which is a small little airport. We flew from Miami and we get, we get there and, we hear all this clapping and all this stuff going on. Well, what's going on? And we go to the planet. Did you ever work at Paradise Island? Yes, I did. But um, uh, just a quick side note. You keep saying Merv Griffin Airport. Why Why would the Bahamian officials name an airport after Merv Griffin? Well, I think Merv, well, Merv Griffin had the casino there. He built the golf course and he built that airport. So was it, but in later, in later years, was it closed? Because I was there in 2002, 2003, and I don't recall anyone yeah, mentioning Merv it's, Griffin. It's closed oh, now. You know, okay. Yeah, Atlantis bought pretty much that whole island. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Sorry. Yeah, no, I I never heard this before, so this is yeah. uh, very interesting to me. Sorry, sorry about that. Go on. No, please. that's okay. I'm glad I could educate you a little bit here. So. Yes, please. I'm showing my age, Greg. Sorry. <laughs> we get to the office. We get to the we get to the welcome area, and we get out, and there's this team of GOs there dressed all in the same outfit, this white with floral print on it, and they're like, "Come over to the planning planning area," and we're like, "What are we going to plan? We don't." understand we you know come over to the reception it's the where we're going to assign you rooms and i'm like okay that's great so we get we sign in we get all this stuff and all of a sudden all these people in the same uniform come over and they greet us and all this stuff and we're like wow this is amazing and like come to the bar have a drink with us and then the chef de village was there with the chief of sports at the bar waiting for us they had this whole thing planned that these four interns were coming in and uh they had a drink for us and they're the chef de village it's uh Frederick LaRue, he uh, says, what would you like to drink? And I said, well, what are you drinking? And he goes, uh, this is a French pastis, Ricard. And I said, oh, I'll have one of those. Try it. He goes, have you ever had it before? And I go, no, but I'll, okay, I'm in college. I'll drink anything. <laughs> and, yeah, and I'm, he, from a, I'm from ASU. <laughs> yeah, I'm from ASU. The number one party school in the nation. Don't you know? We, we like the party. <laughs> anyway, it was just after the show and everybody was standing around and stuff. And we had that and it, it, back to my Ricard. I took my first drink and I spit it out. <laughs> yeah. They all started laughing because I didn't know what I was getting into. And I, and, uh, but that was my, that was my first, um, my first, uh, instance with the French pastis. So anyway, that the one, that's the one you add water to? That's the one you add water to. Oh, okay. you know, small, small glass, maybe one or two pieces of ice that's the way the french like it and then the rest in water that you fill up and stuff and yes but fast forward till now you you developed a taste for it true or false <laughs> definitely true i'm okay. actually i'm actually having one right now for this uh, okay <laughs> that i well you're better than me i never i could never get used to it so i guess it's an acquired taste but yeah i didn't i didn't definitely an acquired taste yes okay. <laughs> let's get to the dj thing like how did you know you could dj like what what um like what prompted that when you were younger to like, you know, actually, I've always been yeah I've always been really into music my whole life when I was a kid I always listened to uh eight tracks and just got really into music in the 80s the whole new wave genre of music I totally got into when I went, went to ASU I got into it and I um was a apprentice for a DJ at this this disco called Premier Nightclub it was a huge nightclub in in Tempe I was working there with this apprentice and we actually, that was the start of the, the kickoff of the 
U2 Joshua Tree tour and I met Bono and Edge and what? Uh, yeah, they all came up to the DJ booth and my the head DJ Scott's like, will you take over from here? I'm going to go get the my boy album signed by the band. And I said, wow, that's awesome. And then they came up and they I got to meet him and my roommate, this girl, Adrian, she actually danced with the Edge, the Time Warp down on the dance floor. I mean, it was really cool. It was surreal. What? It was very cool. Oh, yeah, very, very cool. You, you got so, to meet you too at the height of the Joshua Tree tour? At the beginning, that's where they kicked off wow. their tour, and that's when they ended their tour. So, um, nice. yeah, and you know what's still one of my top three albums that I that I love, the Joshua Tree. It's phenomenal. Oh, it is. No, yeah, that's yeah. my favorite too. Yeah, yeah. So that kicked that kicked off my uh, career being a DJ. I did it for uh, three years at ASU. I worked at some. I worked at uh, the Devil House. I was a DJ there. I had this tour of all these different nightclubs five nights a week, and I would be a DJ at a different ones. Uh, five nights a week. And uh, it was cool. So when I applied for the club mid the internship, I put myself as a DJ and I got hired to come to Paradise Island. And when I got there, they already had a DJ, Mark from, from New York. He was already there. I was going to be on the animation team and help them out. And I animation team, I don't know what's an animation team. I didn't know. I was just going there to be a DJ. So I helped out, I helped them out on the animation team. I would fill in for him every now and then. And then uh, Kevin Batts' first season as chief of sports, he wanted, you know, we got along really well and he wanted me to be on the sports team. And I said, well, I came here for DJ. He's like, well, you can do that still if you want and help out them. But I, I really need some help in the sailing team. I had let somebody go. And can you go down there? And I, I didn't know anything about sailing, Greg. <laughs> Just honestly, I like, I love the beach and I like to be on boats because I always had a boat growing up. And I said, okay, I'm going to learn this. I uh, went down there and I think the chef, uh, Chef de Voix was uh, Vincent from San Lucia and this girl from California. I think she was from California, Debbie. And they taught me everything about sailing, you know, the, the, the lines, the sails, the booms, the rudder, how to, how to come about all this stuff. And I did that for a couple of weeks and it was awesome. And then, and then Kevin asked me to move to the snorkeling picnics team. And I go, sure, I can do a picnic. I didn't know what that was. And I, I love snorkeling. So I did that. And um it was awesome. It was really good. You want me to keep going? Cause I can. Well, well, yeah, I'm just wondering like who, because I, I think I might've had someone else on from this team who were, were there any uh, like notable names that we might recognize from your, on the sports team from your time there? on the sports team. Oh, yes. we had a phenomenal sports team. It was a huge, it was a huge tennis team there because a lot of the uh, New York executives for club med, they all played tennis and it was the easiest flight to get to a club med was from JFK to, to Nassau. So they had a huge t tennis team there. Giorgio from Italy, Reed from Oregon, James from California. I'm going to miss some people. So don't get mad at me. Okay? No, 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 no. I was just curious. So like I'm uh, saying the audience, I don't want the audience yeah. to get mad at me. If no, I no, yeah. Don't send them any yeah. angry emails. Okay. People. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let's see. We had a golf team there. Sean, my roommate, Sean Daniels. He was he was the head of golf there. Uh, we had archery there. What now, was this a singles or family village in 1990? Do you recall? They, they called it a couples village. Okay. Uh, yeah, but there was a lot. There was a lot of um, singles that did come there and couples. It was you know what that that property there. I'm sure it was the same near there. It was it used to be a botanical garden. It was phenomenal. That saltwater pool. And I lived in Grayleaf. Where did you live when you were there? Oh, I had one of the, uh, I don't know if it was there at the time when, when you were there, but I had kind of, I'm not going to use the word villa. It was more like a shack by the water, kind of by just off of the annex restaurant. But I don't know if they were built uh, when, when you were there. But right. if you were in Grayleaf, 
were there ghosts back then? Because you always hear about Paradise Island ghost stories. So do you have any? Was did you see uh, the old lady by the pool or <laughs> you know what they always talked about? They always talked about the ghosts. This is a great story. Okay. Um okay. my roommate Sean and the uh, the nurse Charlene, she was from Windsor, Ontario and one other person they went to those houses that used to be part of the club med you know on the east side fence there by yeah. The rooms yeah there were two houses there and uh one night they went and they went into one of the houses and they had a total ghost story experience i was back at the room that night it was late like after the shows after the disco closed and he came in and he was excuse the expression but he was white as a ghost and i said what is wrong he goes you will not believe what just happened and i said after I heard the story, I was like, are, are you okay? You, you guys on something tonight or so what, this is, this is way wild. And he said, no, listen, this is what happened. And, you know, they went into the house and the bell ringing upstairs and they went in the doors closed behind them and they felt these, this presence there and they were freaked out. It was really intense and I believe it. And, um, I okay, so you could tell, you could tell they weren't, they weren't acting like you could see in their face. They genuinely were spooked, right? Not only this, but the the XGO that I married, she had the same experience as he did, and they didn't even know each other yet. And when we when when we were in LA, and he started telling the story, she would finish his sentence, and they told the whole exact same story to synonymously, and they both experienced the same exact thing. And from then on, I totally believe in everything like that, that it's two individuals didn't even know each other. They told the same exact story with not even knowing that they were going to tell that story. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah, I'll say. Wow. Yeah, why, did, you, did you have an experience? No, no, not at all. No, none, none, none there. I, I I got robbed. I didn't see anything. <laughs> well, I'm, uh -huh. I'm, a I'm a skeptic about ghosts. I mean, yeah. if, if ghosts are real, how come we never see any cavemen ghosts? Why is it always little boys from the 1800s in England? You know, okay. I don't know. It's it's, those Brit it's the British. It's the British thing. Yeah, um, yeah. They, they also say that that pool is filled with salt water to keep the bad spirits away. Yes, I've heard. Yeah, I've heard that. That's and right. you know, under Greyleaf, there's an elevator that went downstairs, and those rooms were always off. They were off the the premise. You couldn't ever go down there because yeah. those were the haunted rooms. That's right. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> wow. we should do a show. We should do the ghost stories show. Yeah, we'll, we'll get we'll get ghost hunters to go out there. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you do May May to August, nineteen ninety. Then I guess you go back to school. The following year, you sign up for a Luther. Now, is this still for credit, or you've graduated by now? Yeah, no, I, I graduated. I spent. I went for three and a half months to Paris. I went back to school. I finished, and then I moved to Denver. Uh, I didn't know what I was going to do. I really miss Club Med. I, you know, I almost stayed at Club Med and not went back for that final semester because I, I got offered a contract and I, and I halfway through the season as snorkeling response off and picnics and I took it. So I just fell in love with it. And the geo team there was phenomenal. You know, it was like it's like family, as you know, you get to know everybody and and I didn't want to leave. I, it was really hard for all of us to leave because we created such a bond with the whole geo team, even the PS, you know, the local, I, I really got to know a lot of the uh, local Bahamians and I, the Rastafarian Marcus, who was the Rastafarian shuttle driver on the boat from club over to NASA. I got to know him and it was really hard, but I went back to school. I wanted to finish. I moved to Denver and I was a bartender, bartender in Denver, governor's park. And I just really didn't like Denver. 
And well, I, Chris, and sorry, Chris, can I just interject here? I just want to say you did you, you did make the right decision, okay? Because I'm currently a student in university now trying to finish the degree I started before I left the Clement. So I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but no, you did do the right thing by going back and finishing. Thank Trust you. me. Trust yeah. me. Okay. All right. Hindsight, so we're under... hindsight, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. We're in Denver bartending. You, you get the itch again? Well, I, that, that's the time that Tom Cruise's movie Cocktail. Cocktail. And yes. I was like, I'm bartending this. I'm bartending. I, I, why can't I go to Jamaica or somewhere? And I want to get back to Club Med. And so MJ was head of head of uh, the, the bars in North America. And I got a hold of her and I got her on the phone and I said, I really want to go back to Club Med. I want to be a bartender. And she said, well, let me look up your file. Can you hold for a second? I want to look up your file and see see what the reviews were, you being a GO and you're au pair. And I said, okay. And I held for like five minutes. She came back and she goes, can you leave on Friday? <laughs> I said, today's Sunday. And she <laughs> said, yeah, I'm, I need you to leave on Friday. I'm going to send you back to the Bahamas. I need a bartender in Eleuthera. And I said, okay, I'm done. I went to my roommate and I said, hey, I'm going to leave. I need to put my stuff in storage and I'm going to leave on Friday. I got a job in the Bahamas. I'm going to go to Eleuthera. So I left. I went to Eleuthera and uh, my Chief of bar was Sean Elman. He is from, I think he's from New York as well. He lives in California now. My chief of village chief, was uh, Dirk. Yeah, it was Dirk, Dirk from, from Germany. Noera, Noera, I think is how you pronounce it. I can't remember it. his last yeah. name. Yeah, it's Noera, N-O-U-R-A. Yeah. And I went back there, there and I fell in love with Eleuthera and I got to know all the PS really well because being behind the bar, you get to know everybody. And I can still say today, uh, a bunch of the PS are still some of my best friends. Today, I go back to the Bahamas and I go see them all the time. Eleuthera was amazing. You know, I'm sure you you know this as well, but every village is different. People ask me all the time, what was your favorite village? And I, and I can never say that there's one over the other because I love Paradise Island because Paradise Island is my first season and Eleuthera. I love Eleuthera. Well, I love what, Eleuthera. About, what about magical? If I said the word magical, did any of your villages you worked at appear magical? Was it the first one? Because it was your first one? Uh, maybe Eleuthera. I went to buy in property. I have property in Eleuthera. I love Eleuthera so much because it's so out of the 70s and it's like a ghost town, right? Did you ever make it to Eleuthera? No, no. I, I wish because so many people say very many nice things about that, you know, that village. It's, a, it's incredible. And you know what? It's because of the people. The Bahamian people on the family islands are so much different than they are in Nassau. They would take me in. I would be walking down Governor's Harbor streets going somewhere and they would hail me and say, come in and have some beans and peas and rice or conch salad. And I would just sit around and meet their family and we'd have, have food together and maybe a click. And uh, then I'd be on my way and somebody well, else. Would say, yeah. Oh. I was just thinking that Chris, like I'm so jealous. You can go to Luther and drink Kalik. <laughs> Cause I miss that oh, beer so much. I, I miss it too. Uh, that's <laughs> why I go back every year. <laughs> Uh, you, uh, I think you've, I think you've got it all figured out, you know, <laughs> well, we're, 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 we're not even nearly halfway through this interview. And I think, I think you must, you might be the most put together SOB I've ever met. You, you've got it all figured out. Okay. <laughs> Thanks. By the way, I, I'm going to start selling shares so people can jump on board if they want. Okay. okay. <laughs> what happened in Eleuthera? Anything interesting? Uh, boy, you know, the people, the geo team was, geo team was great there. You know, they had a circus team, which was uh chief of circus was Batman and, the late Darwin was on the team then. Who, who else? Uh, chief of sports was Steve Riley. He was the chief of sports oh, okay. there. First time I got to meet meet him. Uh, I mentioned Sean's name as chief of bar, and Lynn Lynn was another bartender with me there. I think she was from 
Pittsburgh. She was from where, somewhere in Pennsylvania. And then we had, uh, I think it was Fernando. He was from Italy. We had a really tight team. And it was great being in the bar. A, you didn't have to spend your money on drinks because at the bar you get to drink for free. Uh, and you, you could use all the beads you wanted, which was great. And you got time to go discover the island. And that was where I think I fell in love with the Luther so much as I would go to Coconut Grove and there was a spike in the sand. And we used to bust, I would take GMs and we bust open coconuts down there and make rum drinks on the beach and, and, or take this long walks. So Luther's deserted. So you could walk on the beach still today for two hours and not see one person. And I like that. I like to have time for myself. And like I mentioned earlier, it was like a ghost town uh, along that bank's the the banks road there that's not the queen's highway the banks road on where club med was is there's all these old dilapidated buildings and they were still preserved inside and you could walk in and go see black and white pictures from the 70s it was a luther used to be the place for the blue bloods back on the east coast to go experience life and they had these old clubs the old potlatch club which is down the beach but it was owned by the joiners and this gentleman from Cuba is actually taking it over and he's just now opening it up. He's restored the old potlatch club. And um, it, it would, it's cool. It's very, very cool. You, you know, I went back last summer at a year ago today, we were in a Luthor. There was 23 of us. It's pretty much the same as it was 30 years ago. Wait, I'm sorry, Chris, were any of these um, XGOs or other people that, you know, uh, there were friends. I took my kids, my kids have been going there since they were before they were born. They, okay. um, yeah, they love Eleuthera as well. But you, um, but you, I think you mentioned you do go to vacation with uh, with XGOs sometimes. Yeah, you know, a, a lot of XGOs, but my, my number one traveling companion, my soul brother is Mike Page, Mike Traffic. And uh, we've been to Eleuthera together 15, 20 times. Uh, oh, wow. He's like the, he's the, we call him the mayor of Governor's Harbor because they all know him as Mike Traffic and they will hail him. He goes jogging around. And if you're with him, everybody knows Mike Page. It's cool. It's really, really cool. I met most of the people on the island from Mike Page going back with him. I never worked with him on that island. I worked with him in the, later on down the road, but he's worked there seven or eight times. Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So the group that I went with uh, last year were just friends from here, from Boise. I keep talking about it. A couple guys that I know that are friends of mine, they're in a band in LA. They came and they played for us nightly. And then uh, my kids, we had, we had a great time. All right. Cool. Yeah. Uh, but it looks like after all this time in the Bahamas, for some reason, you want to go skiing. Like you want to see the snow. I find that hard to believe after the pink sand beaches of Eleuthera, you saying, you know what? I want snow. So I'm guessing you were a skier in, in Idaho. I was, and I was a ski instructor. And when I heard that they had a place in Copper Mountain, Colorado, I'm like, I want to go be a geo there. I'd love to do it. And I, they, I heard you get tips when you're there and you get the same group all week long. And I, I love teaching kids. When I was in high school, I taught kids and I, there was a kids club. So I went there because I hadn't been a ski instructor for the French, the uh, monitor du ski uh, for the, had to take the stage. So that means you had to do the stage for two weeks. And we went right after Thanksgiving, my roommate for the stage wound up being Reed, Reed tennis, he was my roommate there and we both went through the stage together and we met and I saw some other people that I knew from, from previous villages as well. And uh, it was cool. The, the stage, I thought I was a good skier until I took the stage and realized I wasn't that great. But by the end of the stage, I learned all the physics. 
and everything of skiing. The French are so passionate about skiing, right? And they will teach you everything. And it's totally different than PSIA, which is the American version of ski instructing. It was cool. I I passed the stage and I and I and I made it. That was a phenomenal season. Did you ever work at Copper or probably? No. No, I, I wouldn't have wanted to anyway, being from Montreal, I, you know, I worked 10 years in Club Med just to escape the winter. Um, <laughs> but I see you're reunited with your chief of village from paradise, Frederick Lohua. for Copper Mountain. He was the, the same chief of village as you had in paradise. No, or am no, I... no. So then I got that wrong. Frederick okay. Lohua, my, my chief in um, uh, Copper and it was another Fred, Frederick. I don't care. Oh, okay. okay. Were, were there a lot of, were there a lot of French guests there in November 91? Yeah, there was. And by the way, it was Frederick LaRue and Paradise Island. And it's Pierre Latir Gagnon from Quebec. That was he was our, yeah, he was our chief of copper. Yeah, yeah. From, Mon- from Montreal. Okay, great. So you yeah, it's, you mentioned like tips. So yeah, you probably you probably had the only two jobs in Club Med where yes, I mean, we know Club Med didn't have a tipping policy, but we kind of looked the other way when it was bartending and, and ski instructor, right? So both these things, uh, you know, was kind of accepted, but no one talked about, right? Or am I wrong? In Copper Mountain, the ski villages, everybody knew you got tips. And it was cool because yeah. Friday came, your group you had all week. They knew that they'd give you an envelope at dinner that night. You'd be, eat with them that night and you'd get an envelope. And it was cool. And as time went on, I I, I learned, I put my sales hat on. I learned how to just do a little bit more because on Fridays, I'd put a backpack together. And Copper Mountain was beautiful. You know, Rocky Mountains always got this high pressure system over it. So you have these beautiful blue skies. And uh, after lunch, I would have this backpack on and the bar team and the kitchen team would put a little package together for me. I would have Midori and tequila and ice or not ice. Sorry. I had a portable blender and um, we'd go, we'd go go on the ski slopes and I tell everybody put their ski tails in the thing and lean up against. And then I would make these Rocky mountain, margaritas and you, brought uh, a, you had a blender on the slopes <laughs> i have a little black and decker battery operated blender asu asu exactly it's all coming back so <laughs> the answer to your question about that school they teach you how to party right so that's why it's always the number one party school no it was great because then the photographers would know that i would be doing this and they'd come and take pictures of it and the schnapps patrol would come by at the same time and it was great because then at dinner that night, I'd even have a thicker envelope and I, and I loved it. And it was, it was cool. It's one of the, one of the, one of the best things of Copper Mountain is doing those Friday afternoon margarita things with the, with the uh, class that you were teaching. They're all adults, not the kids, by the way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And you also like help bartend and in, in, in DJ in this resort as well, correct? I, I did. Whenever, whenever they needed me to help out, I would help out. I think can't remember who the so, chief of well, there. well let me let me ask you as a dj in club med what was your so eventually like any dj anywhere he's going to get asked a, a song request that's going to kill the vibe so did you have a way or a way of as you know as a salesman did you have a way of uh, convincing the person not to make that request or or how did you handle it do you do you recall you know because you you always have to succumb to the guests right the gms True have to be really, really nice to them and stuff. And, you know, just in a really polite way. And so, yeah, yeah, I'll get to that. I'll make sure I get to that. Or I'm sorry, I don't have that. I don't have that uh, 12 inch here. And we only play 12 inches here. Or I don't have that, you know, some villages, they only had CDs and I I didn't have that CD. I kind of get around it. Or sometimes I just play it to do it, but I, I would fit it in to get it. But uh, I was really about the vibe and the mojo. You want to keep everybody out there, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, you know, you know that there's certain songs that, that will crush 
crush that, right? You know, <laughs> yes. like if asked. Okay, so I was just curious. All right, so you train in your skis there, and I see you go to Cancun, May '92, with the uh, Chiba Village Yay and uh, Kevin Bats, your chief of sports again, right? Kevin Bats, my chief of sports. They said, um, well, the, when I was leaving Copper Mountain, they offered me sandpipers because I want to go be a bartender again. They offered me sandpiper. And I said, you know, I, I don't really want to go to Sandpiper. Um, I didn't want to go to the family village. I already experienced that at Luther. You know, Luther was, even though I fell in love with the Luther, the village itself was dead sometimes in the families. It was tough. I said, uh, okay, what about, what if I went as a DJ somewhere? Do you need a DJ anywhere? And they said, actually, we need a DJ in Cancun. And I went, bang, Cancun. I hear all these stories, how much fun it is and crazy. And I would love to go there. Singles Village, Cancun, never been in Cancun. And so I went to Cancun. I show up and Kevin is the chief of sports. And I didn't, I didn't know he was there. I never heard of Yay. I never worked with Yay. And I went there. A couple of weeks after there, Kevin asked me to be uh, not on the animation team anymore. He asked me to come to the sports team and just go do snorkeling again. But we still need you as DJ. And I was like, well, that's like a double contract. I mean, I, I'm going to work until two or three o'clock in the morning every morning. You got to get up at eight o'clock to go do the other stuff. And he goes, you can do it. Cancun was my hardest season. And for all those that worked Cancun, you know how true it is because it's such a huge village, right? And if you know, you have, you're out on that peninsula and to get from the circus, you have to go all the way through the volleyball courts by the pool, the snorkeling shack, and then all the way down to the tennis courts. And that's where you lived was out there. And um, I forgot what they called the, the, did you work in Cancun? Yes, sir. For one year. What were those casitas out there that we all, by the entry gate, those are called what? Oh, geez, I don't remember. Well, that's where, well, the geo rooms were near the uh, the gate. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, exactly. So that's when you had went home at night. You had to go all the way out there and you were exhausted, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we stayed in shape. It was hot. Boy, Mexico at that time of the year, the summer is so hot. You could, after a show, you could take a shower and you'd come out of the shower and you'd be immediately sweating again. Chris, just one thing. I had another geo on an ex geo who I, I believe was the same season as you. His name was Fergie from Montreal. Can you confirm if you worked with Fergie? Well, that's a true story. I worked with Fergie. <laughs> it was very interesting. And you, and you live to tell about it. <laughs> no, just I did you, Fergie. And, I, and I helped him out in land sports a lot too with uh, Sergio Tennis. He, Sergio Tennis, myself, and Fergie, we held, you know, such a big village. We held all these spectacular shows that and contests that Kevin won and put together. He, we needed three land sports people. And one of the events that we put together was the Fergie toss, where we, <laughs> GMs would throw, take Fergie off this platform in the pool and see who could throw him the furthest. And I remember on the show that I listened to, he talked about that. And it was so funny because I haven't thought about it since then. Um, so we do the, like the Fergie toss and the volleyball competition with Sergio's buddy who ran Cuervo. And we had this big, huge Cuervo bottle balloon we had to set up every day for a couple of weeks because they had this big volleyball tournament there. And we did this during four. Fourth of July and Bastille Day, those two weeks, we did this. We had to build a raft. Each service had to build some kind of raft, and you hoped that it float. It would float, and you had to go out to this buoy out by the peninsula where the little lighthouse is, and then come back. And people would do um, the trifecta: who would get first, second, and third. You know, their club med loved to do those competitions where you pick who's going to win, and uh, then they would win champagne. And stuff and then you had the olympics that you had there and uh, uh things you know what was really cool about club med cancun is the turtles in the summertime they hatch the yeah. little big 
the little baby turtles, the scuba team, they went out and they built this, this net, this metal net meshing, and they put it under scuba dock. So every night we'd go out and we'd catch the turtles and we'd go save them because they say one in a hundred turtles would survive. So we were catching them, putting them out there, and we were taking them lettuce and stuff from the buffet, and we'd go out there and feed them all the time. And then we went out on a night dive one night, and we just set them all free. That, that's really cool. That's an amazing experience. Yeah, no, that was uh, that was the highlight until some seasons. Um, they, I don't know if you've heard these stories. Later on, they would take GMs to watch the, the turtle eggs hatch, and it wouldn't be turtle eggs. It would be uh, the animator dressed up as a turtle. <laughs> on the beach and that some, wasn't got, bam, some, that was some, bam, some, bam. some got the joke some were real angry about that <laughs> yeah. i don't okay. know if they did that when, when you were there but i, I know in later no. seasons this happened. no they never did other you know other stories about cancun um what about the nightlife like i i used to love coco bongo that was my favorite nightclub were you a daddy-o's guy well, we were daddy's got daddy's. We went there all the time, and they'd give us table service. We'd bring all the GMs, and the GM there loved us at daddy's, and he would totally take care of us. And I saw the sun come up many times coming home from daddy's and having to go right to breakfast and and do my service. Um, but we did this one big show at daddy's one week where we took the entire show down to daddy's and all the all the regular patrons from Cancun that would go to Daddio's on an evening and all the GMs, we bust them down and we did the entire show uh, at Daddio's and it was cool. Like really, what show, you know, like Jan, it was, okay. Yeah. They're all like individual shows, like, uh, like Janet Jackson dance show and all these other ones. It was, it was cool. It was really, really cool. And um, that's the thing about Kevin. He always likes to set the bar higher every single week and you do really obscure things like Fergie toss or 24 hours of swimming or things like that. <laughs> what? It was 24 it was, hours yeah. of swimming. Oh God. Oh yeah. Was it, it was not, it was nonstop. It was, ex, it was, it was fun, but it was, it was exhausting. It really was. Oh my God. Okay. I hated the pool game, you know, being a land sports and Chiva sport, but I wish I could have seen a Fergie toss because at least that, that's that's amusing you know <laughs> that that's uh, unlike any other pool game i've ever witnessed so i that would have been fun to be there for that. and the 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 infamous uh rooftop splash photography for Olymp- last day of olympics you know they all gather around yeah the i'm always so impressed or surprised that the gms fall for that one <laughs> yeah yeah well how, we have how many, many uh, cameras did you ruin there right <laughs> I mean, yeah exactly we had an xdo uh reunion there 15 yes. years ago or wait whatever. A minute, I, wait a minute. I was there in 2008 and 2010. Were you at, uh, that was XGO two and three. Were you at one of those? I was at two. Well, so was I, sir. Darn. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry. I didn't get to meet you. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, too bad. I wasn't doing this back then. <laughs> that was a great reunion. Cause all the chiefs. It was. Yes. Yes. Everyone was there at that one. Everyone. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. They did the same thing. And I went, uh, uh-uh. okay. Yeah. <laughs> Not falling for this again. <laughs> yeah. It was funny. So funny. And the alligator was there, the crocodile. Yes, Albert, right? Albert. Well, we yeah, and, Albert. and uh, Mike Jorgensen. I think it was Mike Jorgensen. Yes, he was, yeah. He, yeah. Was, a, he was the chef to ski, water ski, and he would jump out of the window of the yes, uh, bare, barefoot. Yeah, and then they would barefoot up. It was insane. Yeah, <laughs> and, and so I did the picnics there too, and we used to get that old Nina or whatever that old. Uh, Battalion, wooden, wooden, wooden boat there. Um, yeah, we'd put all the people there, and I'd just get done DJing at at three or four in the morning, and I'd have to go to the 
the kitchen and start making sangria and the big bucket and do all this stuff. And I was exhausted. And my partner in crime was Sergio Guerra, uh, Sergio from Mexico. He was chief of tennis and he would do the picnics with me. And we would, we would be at the entrance of the boat. People would come on and we would make, we had those pump up squirt guns, you know, those big Mm -hmm. squirt guns pump up filled up with tequila sunrise. And that would start the day off. And you'd go out to that big sandbar out there and play music and everybody have cocktails. It was fun. It was, it was a lot of fun. Okay. So this was, uh, yeah, they didn't have a picnic when I was there in 2004, 2005. So this was, um, how far away was the sandbar from the club? It was probably 45 minutes to the south towards, um, the coastline down south there towards, um, Cozumel going that way. Okay. Okay. Yeah. No, I never well, ever going to Cozumel it. or what? What's that? What's that town that's down there? Playa del Carmen. <laughs> right. right. There's a nice, beautiful, wide beach there. I yeah, I went there on a um, actually during the uh, the last day of the XGO reunion. I I went there. Uh, never been there the whole year. I worked there, and that was I was impressed how how wide because at Cancun at the club we had a lot of erosion erosion right we lost a lot of beach with various hurricanes but I found that uh, Playa del Carmen they had miles and miles very wide wide sand beaches did you find that yes when we got three days yay gave everybody three days off at the end of the summer and so it was great I wanted to go what? down how do, yes. you do that? how do you do that <laughs> no it was such a great season they wanted to give us some time off so wow uh, we took advantage of it and I went we went to Cozumel and Playa del Carmen and it's funny, luckily we rented a Jeep because that in 1992, the road down to Playa del Carmen from Cancun was a dirt road. I mean, through the jungle. I mean, it was nothing like two. Now it's two lanes going each way. It's a major freeway down there. And that was, I thought that was interesting. And over the years, seeing how built up Playa del Carmen is and that whole Yucatan Peninsula, that was, I, I thought that's cool. Yeah. And now we move on to your last season in Clement, Punta Cana, November 92, Chef de Village Piero, and your snorkeling picnics in this uh, village. I, I am. I was I was originally going to San Moritz, Switzerland, to be a monitor to ski, ski instructor there. I got a contract. They offered, they only wanted two Americans, and I got it. I decided not to go because my girlfriend, uh, she couldn't get a contract in the boutique. So we opted not to go. She, they said, you can go au pair. And we're like, no, we want to be able to get make money. And so they offered us Punta Cana. And we're like, yeah, let's go to Punta Cana. And and, uh, and if I recall, you you couldn't go because even though you're, you spoke French, your girlfriend did not, right? Yeah, they wanted a French-speaking person in the boutique. And she didn't okay. speak French, so she couldn't get a contract. So we got offered Punta Cana. And we're like, yes, let's go. And never been to the Dominican Republic. And that was cool. And American was my chief of sports, Andrew. And I, Andrew, if you're listening, I, I forgot your last name, but I like to say hello. Cause I think about you often. He was a cool guy. He worked in Tahiti and he had all these cool Tahitian tattoos everywhere. He was such a laid back chief of sports. Coincidentally, this last season, you know, I said every season is different. This last season was probably my closest friends that I that I still have today. Joe and Michelle. Joe was chief of circus and Michelle worked in the mini club. Scotty Moss was on the sports team and Todd, he was on the sports team and Mike Page, Mike Traffic was there and Anne-Marie was there. Anne-Marie Jordan, who married Tomas, the German water ski chief, chief of ski. And they're just all people that um, I still stay really close in touch with. And uh, it was it was a great season. And by the way, Punta Cana was the weirdest season. It's such, it's a third world country. And we had things that happened as happened as there that's was bizarre. Like what's well, connect, you know, Dominican Republic is connected to Haiti. Right. And so you'd yes. always have 
these Haitians, they would come and steal our water ski boats. And Andrew would come knocking on the, the condos at night and say, come on, we got to go. And we'd go hop, hop in with the Federales and our other boats that we had and go look for our boat. And one night we found these two guys and, and uh, they were clear down south by the Punta Cana Beach Resort. It was so weird. It was like three o'clock in the morning, no moon, pit, pit, completely black. And we had these flashlights. We we're looking for the boat and we saw this flash and we go over and they, they, they have oars and they're using oars. Well, we found out that what they do is they steal these boats and they load them down with, you know, 20 people on a boat that's supposed to fit eight. Right. And they try to get over to Puerto Rico. It was wild. We got our go. We got our boat back. They went off to a jail for a night. When I was in Punta Cana, they had this little bar next door called the Barrio, and it was cool. You could go there for nineteen dollars and get a bottle of uh, a Dominican rum, a lobster tail, rice and peas, all for nineteen bucks, and it was amazing. It's not there anymore. The club bought the land and they extended the club. But uh, and another really cool thing about that season is the whales migrated that winter. Oh, really? And Oh, when we'd see them out snorkeling, it was so cool to see them out there with their, and then they came back with their babies. And uh, one morning I went out with one of the Dominican uh, guys that drives the boat and we took the small little um, uh, whaler and we went out, we saw the, it was completely flat. You know, when you see the ocean and it's completely flat, like glass and you're like, wow, what a mystical thing. And it was like seven o'clock in the morning. We hopped in the boat and we go past the reef and, and he's standing on the front of the boat. All of a sudden the whale's tail like 20 feet wide just comes out of the water right at the bow of the boat and he falls back and I'm laughing and then it was like the most it was amazing it was like being in a National Geographic film it was really really cool wow that's that's probably one of those memories you cherish forever right when you're lucky enough to see that right yeah it's still still do I still cherish it I think about that stuff all the time well speaking of you know, May 93. So that's your, that's your last season. So from now to May 93, and, and like myself, I spent 10 years in club ed. I keep having, uh, I ask this question occasionally about recurring dream. So in my dream, I'm literally trapped working a whole day in club med, a full eight hours. <laughs> um, I'm late for something, or I have to set something up and, and I can't, I can't get out of the dream. And I'm, I'm, I'm a bit stressed because it's a busy day. Do you have any kind of club med dream like now? I have reoccurring club med dreams constantly. It's funny, Mike Page and I talk about this a lot when we're hanging out on the beach and saying that these just reoccurring and they're so random. It's funny you say it, a work day of eight hours. Geo back when we were doing this thing, we'd work 18, 19 hours a day. It was just like, I think you have all these memories and these memories embedded in your brain so much, they just come up and you'll see random images of people that you worked with and you're like, wow, I can't believe I thought about, about that person or something. I, you know, I just think it, club med life has such an impact on people. If, you, if you're fully embraced of being a geo that you're going to have these memories for the rest of your life. And I, I think it's cool. I've never had any bad memories. I have no nightmares. I haven't woke up in a, in a cold sweat. Okay. Well, let me ask you another question since you're an early nineties geo. So when the, uh, so before the internet, they would send your plane tickets by pure later or, or um, FedEx. Right. So to this day, when you're driving in your neighborhood and you see a FedEx or pure later truck, do you think that they're bringing your tickets are coming? Because I still do this every single day. I see a delivery truck. (laughs) I think they're bringing me my plane tickets and it's going to take me away. Does this happen to you? 
No, I'm I'm beyond it. The business I'm in, I know my UPS and FedEx drivers by personal name and their birthdays and everything. I see them every single day, multiple times. So, okay. <laughs> okay, so it's just me. It's just me that's stuck in the past. Okay, that's all right. It's good. It's good, Greg. You're doing well. Uh, yeah. Well, so many questions. Okay, what about this then? You're you're in a grocery store. Okay, I don't know if you were a big crazy sight or not, but a song comes on, reminds you of your days in Clement. You have to physically restrain yourself from dancing side to side and clapping your hands on upon hearing this song. This happened to you? No. Oh yeah, I love this. I love okay. it. Besides. Oh, you do? We have a favorite. Oh, one? I love. I, you know what? Again, I embraced everything that the club man had offered. I was in all the shows that I could be in. I the crazy signs constantly. You know, working working for Kevin. If you weren't at the front, if the sports team wasn't in front every single night, you're gonna you're gonna leave tomorrow. You know, when you get yeah. left leave tomorrow, you know, that you're going home. So um, that's the funny thing about Club Med is if if you quit, you could never work for Club Med ever again. But if they fired you, you could go to another village. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, was, yeah. it was weird. Yeah, it's the opposite of the real world, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> well, that's Club Med. You know, he's good. I still go to Club Meds today. And I, I mentioned saying all the geos that, uh, that you met throughout the world. I meet people that work for Club Med all the time. I travel a lot. I was just in Los Angeles last fall and I was in Hollywood on Melrose and I was shopping. All of a sudden I walk into the store, just random. I look, I go, I'm going to walk in there. I walk into the store and all of a sudden I hear this Chris Robinson. <laughs> I, I, I look up and it's Sharice, Sharice Reich from planning my first season at Pla- at uh, Paradise Island. I was like, it was so random, right? That, that that I walk in the store and she's working there. And then that same that same weekend, I wound up having dinner with my ex chief of bar, Sean Elman, who lives in California. He came out, and we haven't seen each other since I lived in LA twenty five years ago. And it, it's just you have these connections, and you know that's the thing about good friends is you know you're good friends because it could you may not see each other for twenty five years, but all of a sudden you see each other and you have this connection, this bond. And it was like yesterday that you saw one another. It's, it's cool. It's family, right? It's the XGO community. Yes. Speaking of family, did you say earlier in the interview that you married an XGO? I did. I married, uh, we worked together in Cancun, Carolyn Boutique. She's from Windsor, Ontario. We got, we went to Punta Cana together and then we moved to LA for four years. And then we moved to Boise after that and came here and raised two beautiful children, Chase and Chloe, who have been to a number of club meds with us over the years. We always say they're going to be future XG, future geos. And well, then- yeah, yeah, let's let's shout this out because you just one of your kids just graduated from University of British Columbia. And the other, the other's a junior at University of Utah and made the pro freestyle team, right? Yes, correct. My son Chase, he gra- graduated from engineering at University of British Columbia. And uh, that just happened in May. So I dr- I, f- I drove up there and spent a week with him. Camping. Sorry, I, I I work in engineering and university. So is he a mechanical engineer building? He to- wanted to be mechanical, but you know, being in engineering and in the in the collegiate world, that um, it's a it's tough, right? And UBC yeah. is one of the top ten universities in the world. Couldn't get into that. He got into materials, and now he ah, wants okay. to, wants to invent ski and mountain bike equipment. Get on with some company and and invent materials to build better equipment so that's okay, cool great congratulations my, yeah my daughter my daughter is uh, at the university of utah she just finished her junior year she's in summer school now and she'll start her senior year next semester and uh, she did make the pro tour unfortunately didn't last too long she got in a really bad ski accident she in 2020 she had six knee operations 
Yeah, it was it was tough. It was very, very tough for her. She made it through it. And she had another operation last year. Uh, she tore it again. But now, knock on wood, she's doing okay. And she promised me that she would never compete again because I don't think her parents could take it anymore. It's, okay. it's, <laughs> it's pretty <laughs> stressful. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's hard yeah but it's cool. You know, going to um going to Vancouver, I run into people like J Jerome Dudacor. We called him Dude. He was in Cancun. He's like the the sausage and cheese king of uh, uh, Vancouver down on Granville Island. And I see him every time I go there. So it's it's again, it's these little connections, and you run into people, and that's the Club Med Web, right? You constantly yeah. run into somebody. Well, am I forgetting to ask you about someone else you worked with that you liked? Did, did you ever? Did you have a favorite chief of village, or you liked them all, or did, was was there one for you that stood out? You know, I like I like them all. You know, okay. it's kind of the villages. I liked all the villages the same, and everybody, everyone was different. I think that's the great thing about Clement. If they were all the same, it would get boring and monotonous. And every chief was different. And you know, Pierre, <laughs> Pierre Latir Gagnon, he let us he let us do whatever we wanted as far as the shows go. We invented a show, the Wayne's World show, and the Star Trek show with with uh, <laughs> Kevin and the, the late Greg. Kala and Scott Barney and Rick, uh, Ricky Ganyer. If you're out there, man, I miss you, bro. I hope Colorado's treating you well. Uh, we did the Wayne's World skit. I, he was Garth and I was Wayne, and it was it was hilarious. And then you'd always have the the, the comedy shows. What what was that called at the end of the night? You know, after the the main show that we'd always do this uh, comedy show. Oh, Flash Cabaret. Flash Cabaret. You would do where you would do all these jokes one after another. Is that what you're talking about? Exactly. That. I love yeah. that. Yeah, 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 that was for a more mature audience, if I recall. We kind of uh, went off to the side and warned everyone what it was yeah. going to be. Uh, <laughs> a lot of I stuff did, flying at you here. <laughs> I did that in copper with with Reed and a bunch of guys. It was fun. So as you can tell, I'm smiling in the camera. I'm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> bringing back great memories, Greg. Thank you. Okay, uh, Chris, we're nearing the end of our hour. Now, before I let you go, because you've been so kind with your time and taking us down memory lane, uh, is there anything I forgot to ask you or you wanted to say about anything? Uh, I don't want to let you go unless we got, I know we got a lot, but uh, I don't want to. Yeah, I I, you know what? There's nothing that else I say. I would just like to encourage all the listeners out there to promote Club Med and keep it alive and profitable and, and encourage your children or your friends' children's to become to become a GO. It's the greatest experience that anybody can can have. It's it's lifelong memories, as as you can tell. We spoke about for the last hour. Last hour, I can't believe it. It felt like it went by in thirty seconds. So yeah, yeah. I just encourage everybody to do that. And and you know, Steve Riley and some other XGOs are always putting these reunions together. Go out and see them. And when you're in Turks and Caicos, go see Terry at Hemingways. He's a phenomenal guy with a great restaurant and Carolyn Robinson number two runs it for him now and just go out there and support it and you know what Club Med can be different the geo team is different now it's they have different employment laws that we didn't have before but it's still a great thing for the family and for friend for you to go with your friends and I still go I I love it I love Club Med and uh it's forever embedded in my heart and my soul and um thank you again for having me on the show I I really appreciate it. and hello to all my XGO brothers and sisters I hope you're doing well and I hope you're smiling Well we're going to have to end it there Chris cuz I I could not improve on that in any way so uh, I really want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for for coming on and saying yes thank you so much Thank you Greg have a great summer Thank you 
everyone. That was the one, the only Chris Robinson from Boise, Heido, and we'll be here next week with a brand new episode of My First Season. See y'all next week. Bye.